in my head, I'm like, people have been selling their panties since Craigslist was around. Like when I worked at the strip club, I would have customers come in and who would want to buy my outfits that were extra sweaty and dirty. You were listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Sluts and Scholars is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment. This podcast or any resources and emails from us, as well as any opinions we share, are not a replacement for therapy or medical care or advice. None of the information, resources, or exercises mentioned in this show should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. The opinions and ideas expressed by our guests are solely their own. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am excited to welcome Anna D. Uh, from the champagne room to the boardroom, meet Anna D., the stripper turned CEO, also known as her viral alter ego, Rebecca Blue. She displays the uncensored story of being a self-made professional goddess. She is a serial entrepreneur, author, podcast host, newly added to the Pleasure Podcast Network, a YouTuber, and a social media icon. Now 29, living on a dream farm with her dogs in North Carolina, she continues to run her adult toy store and provides beginner sletrepreneurs with the resources and confidence they need to build their own empires. Welcome fellow slut, Anna D. What up, slut? What up? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm starting out this season by asking people this same question. Um, What's the best sex and or most pleasurable thing you've done lately? And broadly define that as you will. Like (gasps) sex could be anything. Pleasure could be anything. Something that something that felt good. Whoa. Well, the first thing that came to my mind is that I finally tried anal in like the best way ever. (laughs) So you hadn't tried it before? Well, I think like I tried the insertion and it was obviously just extremely painful. So I was like, okay, I just have a teeny tiny asshole. Like this is never happening. And, uh, you know, just kind of was drunk enough one night with someone I trusted and it, I was just relaxed and it worked and it was so orgasmic and amazing. It's like, now I know what people are talking about when they're anal queens that I aspire to be now. Whoa, um, congratulations. But, thank you. I feel like I should get a medal. But since then, I like the nights where I want to do it that day, I'll prep and wear like a little plug throughout the day. And it, it just, it keeps getting better and better. So I feel like I opened up Pandora's box and I have to tell everyone that I've had anal. <laughs> yeah. Pandora's butthole. You've opened it up. <laughs> Literally. Well, for listeners out there, if you are curious on how to like start butt stuff, you can check out. Um, I did an episode in the past with uh, Alicia Sinclair about B Vibe, and they've got some great videos and how tos. Um, I think also talk some butt stuff with Jessica Drake. So go back and listen to those. But um, do you have any tips uh, to make it great? Oh. I'm hearing that wearing a plug to warm yourself up. Yes. And also like, pushing your butthole out while they're putting it in like opens it up a lot more it's it's kind of like when you go to the OBGYM and they're like relax like push out a little bit so and it feels funny at first but it it was extremely helpful um and I also did it on mushrooms recently and it was like also very very cool and interesting and amazing (laughs) and I kind of feel sad for my vagina because I'm like we don't want to go in that way anymore like (laughs) <laughs> like she's, that's old news. 
Well, I guess next up is uh is some DP. We'll add it to the list. The <laughs> um, 2023 res- resolution. Let me know uh, and come back on and let us know how it goes. Down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So as also a self-proclaimed slut, I would love to hear how you define slut. Ah, oh, slut. Such a word. Um, one of those words that can be used and abused and praised and amazed. But to me, because I use the word slut probably just as much as you do on your podcast, it's it's more of a term of like endearment and empowerment. And it's like, like imagine yourself, like your, your little girl, your inner child, like imagining who they want to be when they grow up. And for me, it was always like a slut. <laughs> Like I would see, you know, who who was it? Like Britney Spears and Avril Lavigne and all these like Y2K pop stars. And to me, they were just so powerful and slutty and sexy. And I just wanted to be that. So being able to kind of curate my own definition of it and adding, you know, all my businesses behind it now, it's like no one can just say like, oh, you're just a stripper. It's like, no, now I've made seven figures. Like I've done the dirty work. I got here. I made it. And and I'm a slut. Like, mm-hmm. tell me to go to college because I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. Well, it's always interesting, too, because when people hear like the title of my podcast, I think sometimes people are like, oh, well, do you have to be a slut or a scholar? Right. But the point is it's, it's, and, and there are so many different ways to be a professional, um, or a scholar, if you will, you know, you don't have to have high degrees. And in fact, a lot of people I know that have a lot of degrees aren't making as much as the slutty scholars. <laughs> and so, yeah. And like sex is literally so ancient, like sex worker, sex work, sex workers. It was just one of the first jobs i mean it's it's always been needed and desired like the supply and demand is endless so to me like it's i think i just heard a cha-ching in the background yeah. <laughs> we had a sale <laughs> we, we had, had a sale we, we had, had a ding 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 <laughs> my train of thought went out the window but um <laughs> honestly it was perfect timing because it was like you're still making literally we're sitting here talking doing podcasting and you're making money yes we love making money while we're making money making money in our sleep. This has been sitting on me a lot recently. Like a lot of people are being like dethroned and removed from their jobs and careers because of like their slutty past or current sluttiness. And it's just, it's super fucked up. And I was just really upset about it today because I have like the freedom and the privilege to be a slut and make money off of it. But there's so many people out there that are like losing because of it. And there's so many people that don't start a career in sluttiness because of that huge risk of how it can hinder future opportunities. And it just like, I don't know, it it hit a weird chord in me because I'll I'll never have to know what that feels like. You know, like I don't want kids. I never have to think about like their futures, but a lot of people have to consider that a lot. And I don't know, it just had a moment of really like rabbit hole today. Yeah, understandable. Like, I, I have those moments a lot, obviously. Well, I'd love to hear a little more about how you've capitalized uh, on being a slut. Oh, yes. So my my life's pretty fucking crazy. I feel like I live 
multiple lives in one. I have a lot of square businesses, my e-commerce businesses where I do retail, wholesale, you know, the whole Shopify store kind of thing. Ever since I was 18, I was hustling on eBay and then it turned to Etsy and I was selling things on Craigslist and yard sales. Like I always was a hustler, but I also was a stripper when I was 18 and I found this newfound love and passion for being hot as fuck and being paid for it. And it was really cool. So I was living, you know, I was traveling down two roads at the same time, like trying to create a successful retail business that my parents would be proud of. But then also at night, like hiding and being ashamed of this thing that I could wake up and have an extra two grand in my purse about like it was super conflicting. So in my early 20s, I was building a brand. I was becoming an influencer without even trying, but I was also like webcam modeling and dancing like undercover on the side so that I could live a really fun lifestyle at the same time. But I didn't like talk about it. I didn't share about it because I didn't know if that was going to be a long-term thing for me. It wasn't something I didn't want on the internet forever. So it wasn't until I finally got on TikTok, maybe a probably like pandemic time. What was that? Like three years ago? Is that crazy? I, time is so weird to me. And you'll, <laughs> have to tell, you'll have to tell me your TikTok secrets because every time I go on, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Girl, we, I mean, we did a TikTok uh, last week. It's at 13 million views. I posted one not even an hour ago and it's at 20K right now. So I, I've, I figured out s- some of the, the secrets. So I will share those. But so TikTok happens and I, me being me, I just love like forming new aliases, new brands. I think as like a sluts, we kind of love having that porn star mentality, like just create a new name, be a, a character, new avatar. So I create this avatar, Rebecca Blue. She's on TikTok and she decides to start talking about sex work on TikTok, the place you shouldn't be talking about it. Yes, I know. I want to know how that's been received. Are they like trying to take you down? Like, tell me. Oh, she's been down many times. I have gotten, thank God, I have a great sex work friendly lawyer. I think this is the third time my account has been reactivated. So I ended up making a second account for safety. Um, But anyways, so... Rebecca Blue, she's going viral. She's talking about the weird things that she sold on the internet. She's not really talking about stripping or webcam modeling, but she's talking about selling used panties, used socks, and using emojis and terms that you know what it is without, you know, having to say it. So I yeah, start. It's it's corn. <laughs> yeah, it's corn. Um, so, anyways, I guess the videos could have been, you know. It usually happens when I'm talking about selling like Q-tips or trash or things that really make people's eyebrows go up that go super, super, super viral. And in my head, I'm like, people have been selling their panties since Craigslist was around. Like when I worked at the strip club, I would have customers come in and who would want to buy my outfits that were extra sweaty and dirty. Like it's pheromones. It makes sense for Mm -hmm. sex workers, like selling socks and underwear, like, okay, cool, you know? There must have been some like underground horse and carriage panty selling thing going on too (laughs) back in the day where like, you know, you come pick it up and they put it there and then they bring it to the next, you know, the next town. Like, I'm sure it's been around longer than that. Like by by pigeon or something. (laughs) Yeah, the carrier pigeon carrying (laughs) thongs across the land. 
<laughs> you should start doing that. You live oh, on a farm. Like, <laughs> like pay extra to have carrier pigeon <laughs> deliver my thong. Oh my god, I can see it now. But it was it was a very complex time in my life because I'm running successful businesses. I think I've purchased a warehouse at the time. I had 10 people on payroll. Like my, my brands, like I have a sex toy shop. I have a knife company, a clothing line, like I'm a knife company. Okay. I get distracted. Keep going. (laughs) Well, and it's hard to express what I do to people because I'm one of those people that feels like I'm a little bit good at a lot of things. And I like to immerse and try everything, but then everything starts to take off at the same time. So then my downfall is not being organized and not being able to run with things because so many things are running. Um, so this TikTok thing is happening and I'm finding this, like this joy that I haven't felt in like 10 years, probably since I had been on the poll. Yes. <laughs> and then it it took a turn because then the whole comment section is like, how do I start? How do you do this? Like, how the fuck do you sell your trash to people? So then my hustler brain is like, okay, she's, she's going to be a mentor now. <laughs> like she's got to start a podcast. She needs a book. She needs an e-series. We need a whole like television show at this point because people are interested in, they want to know and I didn't want to gatekeep this information by any means because sex work is something that anyone and everyone can do and seeing people really putting roadblocks up like oh well, I'm not pretty or so and so and I'm like there's anonymous creators doing this especially if you go to these panty selling websites like majority of them are blurring out their face and you know taking all those precautions so any anywho, I'd say within a year, my TikTok hit a million followers. I started being approached with brand deals and all these things. And I was just like, I just want to do this myself. Like, I want my people to trust me. I want to be an advocate for the community. I want to be a safe place. So it it's been a lot the past few years trying to manage my square businesses, dealing with this whole viral shit show that's happening. But people are really, really interested with the weird things I saw on the internet. So like I fucking trademarked weird things I saw on the internet. (laughs) Okay. What's the quote unquote weirdest thing you've sold on the internet lately? So people usually will ask what sold for the most money and it might be the weirdest to you as well. And that was my, well, I say weird with like love, you know, I say it's like, what's the most exciting thing? What's the thing you're most excited that you've sold? Exactly. So when I went to the OBGYN to get my Mirena replaced, <gasps> he, my doctor threw it in the I trash can. I mine too. Yeah. You did? Yeah. I have I it. Uh, someone showed me how to get it ordered as a necklace so you can turn your IUD into a necklace. But I I mean, it's just fucking sitting Whoa. on my shelf, not making any money. Yeah. Getting dusty. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he threw it in the trash and in my, in just my hustler brain, I was like, that's money he's throwing away. So uh, we took it out the trash and I just reached out to a client that particularly liked really strange things. Like one time I sold him um, like a, a pregnancy test that I had taken. Like, you know, I have an IUD, I'm not getting pregnant, but he just wanted like a pregnancy test that I had peed in. Mm-hmm. So weird things like that. Uh, yes. So I sold it. I sold it for, you know, a few thousand. It was nice. <laughs> It was nice. It paid for me to get my new IUD because I didn't have health insurance at the time. Wait, that's so great. But, you know, the laundry list of things, like just 
anything that comes out of my body, touches my body, Q-tips, toenails, hair, like bath water, all these things that aren't very sexy. But, you know, if a guy's has a worship mentality and wants to be degraded or humiliated, then that's his cup of tea. And I have no shame, no, like nothing about my work is weird to me unless it's someone wanting like shit brownies. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not. That's where, that's where we draw the line. (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm sure you could find someone who would scoop it for you. Well, the thing is like the scooping, I don't have a problem with. It's the baking it in my house and then my house (laughs) and my oven smelling like shit. Can we get like an outdoor easy bake oven or like maybe on one of your wish lists, you have one of those like outdoor egg ovens where you can cook the pizza outside and it's just specially for shit. Your neighbor's going to love it. You're going to love it. Good thing my neighbors are three acres away. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think actually, I think it was uh, someone else on the pleasure podcast that I had on and they were talking about how someone wanted to pay them to like shit in a bag and leave it in a hotel room. Um, and their main worry was like, what if they'd steal my DNA and like well, do something with it? Do you ever worry about your DNA? Well, let's let's be let's be crystal clear about this. OK, let's say Bob buys a lock of my hair mm-hmm. and I ship it to Bob. Okay. There's, we have email communication with Bob. We have the transaction okay. of how he paid. We have his address. So now Bob goes and kills someone named Sally and decides to put my hair. He sprinkles it all <laughs> over Sally. Okay. So the cops get there and they're like, Oh, look at this hair. It's perfectly placed. Let's go test it. And it matches with my hair. So they call me, I'm, you know, just across the country conveniently. And they're like, Hey, we, we got your, you know, we need to come in for questioning. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting because, um, I did sell my hair to this guy named Bob. Here's his address. Here's the transaction. And then they find the murderer. Thanks to me. So now I'm a hero. Now you're a hero. But see <laughs> this, I can tell you watch a lot of ID channel. Um, I do as well. <laughs> this is why I think that it's so important that sex work is continue to be decriminalized because mm-hmm. then you have a paper trail, right? You're running a legitimate business. You can track things. You know what things are going. You can vet your clients. Um, so we could track down, you know, Sally's murderer if we need mm-hmm. to. And you don't get in trouble. 100%. It's, you know, there's no point in doing all of this if we can't make it better for the generations to come. And it, we're all over the place. There's back steps, there's forward steps. It's a very difficult fight. But the fact of the matter is, you know, you can make a lot of money in sex work, but you are risking so much safety. And when people come to my videos and things go viral and my videos make it look easy, my big, big thing is like, look, don't jump into this because you think you can just, you know, cut your toenails and make a million dollars. Like you are (laughs) sacrificing, like, you know, there are stalkers, there are people who blackmail and dox you. And if you respond to a client from the wrong email address out of nowhere he could have your mom and sister's address just Mm. because the internet's a crazy place like that but it's you know sex work safety in the real world and then virtually like they're two different things but it's such a a a risky business and i've learned the hard way myself so it's, it's just weird once you have a platform and people actually listen to you you're like holy shit like i have to say these things over and over and over because Mm. People, you know, think 
oh, you have life on easy mode. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You should see my security system, bro. This episode is sponsored by Afterglow, porn by women for everyone. Afterglow is offering our listeners a seven-day free trial when you enter code XOSCHOLARS at XOAfterglow.com. Do you like watching porn but wish the scenes were more realistic and relatable? Check out Afterglow. Afterglow has high-quality ethical porn and also offers a collection of guided exercises, masturbations, and educational content, or eduporn. I love how they have something for everyone. There are articles, journeys for self-discovery, advice, and pleasure-focused films. I have always wished that the porn I watch could include more micro-moments of realness, and Afterglow is such a breath of fresh air. My favorite is the eduporn, or educational porn, where they have videos like how to have period sex or how to squirt. They're informative, but also fun, sexy, and super validating to the human experience. And right now, Afterglow is offering listeners a seven-day free trial when you enter code XOSCHOLARS at XOAfterglow.com. That's X-O-A-F-T-E-R-G-L-O-W.com and use code XOSCHOLARS to get a seven-day free trial. The link is in the episode's description. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I was going to ask how, what has been the best thing to help keep you safe and make you feel safer now that you're more out and, and have a larger platform in a public way? It is different now because now I'm getting clients because they've seen my viral videos and they're like, can you not share about this conversation on your TikTok? And I'm like, (laughs) you can pay for those exclusive rights, my guy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, you know, moving to a gated community, that was a a big decision for me, like biting the bullet and getting a security system that records consistently, like all those things. Again, they're business expenses, Uh, but getting a VPN on my phone and my computer has been a huge thing. I pushed that off to the side for so long. I just never thought of it until I had a customer in a Skype call ask me, like, why do you have a VPN? And I'm like, uh, huge red flag. I was like, immediately he was looking up my IP address. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, but I don't know for me, I've, I've taken the leap where my identity is completely exposed and there is this like power in that too, because I can just completely be authentic. And I think that's what brings in a lot of my viewers, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it can it can get weird when you're negotiating with people and you you still get those feelings where you don't want to piss them off because you don't know like how far they'll go because you don't know them they're a stranger. Mm. So I know I that can get... be hard for a lot of sex workers, especially new in the industry, is how to find this balance between like making boundaries, but also that fear of like losing clients or pissing people off for safety. Um, that's can be a hard balance. Well, I I also, I stopped doing submissive shows. I'm only really dominant in nature. In my personal life, I'm super submissive. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, fuck me, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, talking to clients, like, I I feel like for my safety, I have to be very, very um, intentional. Not aggressive, but just, like, dom vibes. Otherwise, if I get a hit where someone's like telling me what to do and getting mean yeah. and spicy with me, then I then I just feel like my safety is at risk. And I don't you can't pay me enough to to be submissive again. I'm just I'm not into it. It, it starts to feel um, almost non consensual when you're doing mm-hmm. like Skype and webcam shows and they're 
like telling you all these things to do. And it's like, if you, God forbid you say a boundary, then they just leave the chat, you know? Yeah. And it's, and that's your money. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good way to kind of like shift gears. I mean, I love, I'm just was going through my head was imagining how much you could write off for your business because it sounds like you, you sell everything you can sell. So like your Q-tips, your manicures, your um, your IUD, right? Like it's all right offable because you're like, this is going to my business. I love that. Well, I my accountant, I literally have him on speed dial. Like we had this discussion about- and for those out there, make sure you find a sex work informed accountant. Yes. yes. I recently interviewed the only consultant and she is a sex work friendly accountant. Um, I think she's taking new clients, but- finding, you know, influencers like her online who are just throwing out information for the sex work community. It's like, it's gold. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. But I went to get a pedicure the other day and old old me would be like, oh, that's a write-off because, you know, I'm going to take pictures of my feet later. But now I understand how this works. Like it can only be a write-off if I am using that pedicure experience. Like, am I filming my feet while I'm there? Mm -hmm. Am I messaging a guy about this foot experience at the same time. Like I, am I going home and doing a, a foot photo shoot specifically about like the paint I just got on my toenails. Like you have to be able to pair that transaction with something that is generating you income. Mm. Um, And that's when like the fake lashes and the Botox, like all these things get very murky. Mm -hmm. But if I'm vlogging about getting Botox and YouTube is paying me from Mm. that vlog, then there's a receipt you can pair with that transaction. So some people think like, oh, it's all a write-off, but you have to like be really careful and ensure that each transaction matches with something. She's a slutrepreneur. That's why (laughs) y'all have to get this book because I'm learning so much. Uh, Something I love that you've been talking about is how you're sharing information. And you mentioned earlier, like about gatekeeping and stuff. And, you know, in this culture, in this capitalistic culture, I know that when we think of folks who are like great entrepreneurs, a lot of times I think I see them coming from a place of um, competition, right? Where Mm -hmm. there's like a winner and a loser and there is gatekeeping where it's like, don't, you know, sell your secrets for free. And like, yes, of course, you're not just giving away everything because you've worked hard for that and you do, you know, Mm -hmm. consulting and books and stuff like that. And I see you speaking pretty openly about like, I want to have this information out there. How do you think you got to a place of feeling like you could feel confident enough in yourself and in your success to feel like you can share that knowledge and that space without feeling competitive so much? That's a that's a great question. And I still, even this morning, you know, we'll get a comment about like, oh, well, you're, you know, you're gatekeeping or just tell us the websites that you sell, et cetera. And for one, you can't, comment these websites on TikTok because they go against the terms of service. It's technically like posting a link to a porno. Yeah. Um, But I've come to find out like my experience is so valuable. We're talking over a decade worth of lessons of my failures that I went through to get to the other side of success. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot, like a long time for me to actually value that my experience was valuable. And there was a dollar amount on there. And I try to compare it to like people going to school to be a lawyer, and then you pay for their services to protect you or a therapist is charging you for her time. Like, yes, she might 
genuinely want to help the whole world and all the people in it, but she has bills to pay too. Mm -hmm. So if I was taking the time to like write books, go to publishers, like curate all this information for beginners and to have someone tell me that like it has to be free, I just didn't really agree with, but I met in the middle with my followers. I said, look, I got this podcast that has like over a hundred episodes of free information. You can go on there right now and literally figure out how to market your OnlyFans on Reddit without getting your Reddit profile removed. It's like hyper specific info that I could put into an ebook and put a price tag on it. I could, but I felt like it was only fair if I was selling my book and my experience that I paired it with a ton of free information. But there's different types of customers I have. There's people who will listen to the podcast and take notes and apply it and succeed. And then there's people who just want the book and have it like laid out for them. And I don't like, I don't judge them for that either. And I also was like, you know what? I'm going to put some fucking spicy hot photos of myself in this book too because if you were to go on my OnlyFans, it would cost you a hundred bucks to get all these photos of me but i'm gonna put them in the book for free like all these little things that i just wanted to make it really personal and fine-tune the experience but i think in the sex work community there like yes there are educators but we don't really have like clear access because they're so shadow banned and invisible on the internet. Mm -hmm. So if you are a sex work educator and you are pricing yourself and see yourself as valuable, like I respect the fuck out of you because I know you're getting hate left and right just for simply being in the adult industry in a way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think any job you're in, um, this is where I see is there is a different experience, but some intersection between like being a therapist and being a sex worker is that like Mm -hmm. both are such like vulnerable places where people can be really vulnerable with what they want, with their desires, with what's going on for them, that then people start to think that those are areas that they can just like have free access to because like, oh, I've seen your butthole online or like, oh, you talk about feelings, you know, like there's this um, thing where people think that there's like free access, you know, like one that I get a lot is people and, and I do this, you know, sometimes for free for folks who can't afford it, or I offer a sliding scale, you know, for, for certain kinds of folks. But I often get emails who are like, tell me everything you've done to become what you do now. And because that's what I want to do. And I'm like, great, I do that for consultation. Here's my fee, you know, so I sometimes offer a sliding scale for folks who are, uh, you know, marginalized folks or low income people never hear back. <laughs> no, right? and, and it's and I and it's interesting because like my, my DMs are crazy. I, I think I have 10 diff- different Instagram accounts, like for my businesses, for personal, and then you have TikTok and then you have Twitter and then, you know, it, it's a lot. And mm-hmm. if a hundred people every day are saying, help me mentor me, can I book a session with you? Like yeah. I don't even do one-on-one mentorships anymore just because I just don't have time. It's too draining. I get so empathetic and invested in people's lives that it takes away from all my personal success. And Mm -hmm. I was like, if I write a book, I feel like that's going to be the best case for me to forward people to information that can apply to 90% of them. Um, But that was a really hard decision. I felt like I was really disappointing my followers that I couldn't give them what they needed. Uh, Because there was a time where I would voice memo every single direct message in Mm. my DMs all the time. And there are days where, you know, I'm driving and I'll start, you know, hyping some people up in my DMs. Um, But it's, I don't, it's like a, 
an energy scale. Some days I can, some days I can't. And you have to really be in tune with your, with the gas you have in your body with what you can do. Cause what, what am I going to do when I lay down at night and I have no energy for myself? Like I, I don't know, putting yourself first is, is really hard for me to do. So that was a, a boundary that I've, I've recently had that I still feel guilty for. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're speaking my language. It is a work in progress, working on it. Yes. Um, definitely a muscle. Um, okay. Last kind of question I have in uh, in one article um, I read, I think it was like a CEO, uh, CEO something article, and they said the words that you're weaponizing your womanhood. Uh, I think they, they said it in a positive way, which is like, I thought was an That's interesting fine. way of saying it, weaponizing womanhood. Um, let's talk about using our sexuality to get what we want in a men's world. Ah, Like the way, the way that I sort of, uh, so whenever I usually meet with clients, we go through this, um, this thing called the circles of sexuality. And it's like all these different facets that like make us who we are as a sexual and a relational person. And one component of that is sexualization, which is about how we use or how power is used in sex. And I kind of like lay it out for people that there's a spectrum of like harm, harmless and harmful. And that spectrum can be different, right? For everyone, depending mm-hmm. on what's going on for you, ranging from like flirting to sexual assault um, to, you know, consensual kink right? There's ways to use power. Um, And we live in a world, uh, especially in the business world, that is like masculine or male dominated, right? And so what are your feelings about quote unquote, I don't know if you would agree with the term they use weaponizing womanhood, but I I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, what you said was just well executed. (laughs) I think I could say it better than that um, as far as kind of from your experience, but there's there's so many facets in that for me, whether it's in my personal world or my business world. Um, let's go let's go personal first. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner, we've been together, I mean, it's it's been a decade. Um, it's been a, a lovely, great time. And he's one of those partners that is so supportive of sex work. And I'm just so grateful for that. But I am a thrift shopper. I like I have a full Depop store. I have been thrift shopping since I could yard sale like at six years old. Um, but he he knows when we pass a thrift store and it's open, he knows he's about to be sitting in that parking lot for an hour. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> he's used to it now, but I still can uproot that sexuality. And I'm like, if you wait... And I'm gonna take all the time that I need, sir. You will you will get something very exceptional out of this. I promise. I'm not gonna tell you what. It will be a little nasty surprise. So, like little moments like that where I just I go right back into, oh, this is something I want. I know what I need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. And best believe he's getting a handy dandy blowjob in the car on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> handy dandy handy. <laughs> so little little things like that, that are, you know, they're a little harmless, but, um, in the business world, I have had 
So many interesting opportunities. I recently was approached to do the whole NFT thing last year, and they wanted to create like a whole slutrepreneur world. Like you go in, there's a strip club. You can book a meeting with me like virtually. You can Mm -hmm. get a skin if you want to become a dancer in the club. Uh, If you wanted like training and courses, like it was going to be exceptional. And it was just one of those things where we were having all these, you know, Zoom calls and we were talking numbers and we were like so, so close to getting there. But I almost felt like they were more excited just to be on like a Zoom call with me and just like feeding off this energy. And it was just all talk at the end of the day. And there was really nothing I could do. Like I would I would show up to these meetings, you know, avatar on selling them myself. But at the end of the day, like it just didn't fall through the investors that were going to back the project just decided Mm -hmm. not to back it. Um, So it was one of those things where it was like, I gave it my all, you know, I can't give someone a blowjob through the screen. (laughs) But in instances where I am having meetings over collabs or brand deals, like I definitely feel that my sexual energy has a huge impact on decision factors and helping people lean in more to like how I want the project to be versus what they want to be. And, you know, just using your body language and having some self-perception and awareness of how you're being received to get what you want. And I think that psychology can, it doesn't have to be sexual, but just being self-aware and using that art of seduction to let your words dance around someone and make them seem heard and valued and just all these little things you can sprinkle to get what you want in personal life, business life. I don't know. Did that answer the question? Yeah. I don't even know if there's an answer. Like as you're talking, there's like so many layers that I'm (laughs) feeling back in my head. Right. Cause I'm also thinking like, okay, well, sometimes we are, um, judged or punished for using our sexuality. Right. It's like, okay, well that means you're not a good enough business person. Right. Hence the sluts and scholars. And then other times, um, it gets what we want. And then I think another thing that was popping in my head is like, sometimes it feels empowering to use our like femininity or our eroticism to um, channel that energy, right? To get what we want. And sometimes that feels great and empowering. And other times it feels like used and abused for some Mm -hmm. people. And so I just think this is like such a layered, interesting topic and then ah, the layers just keep unfolding. Like I, I think know, it, I'm I'm imagining myself like it's always like in the Starbucks line or something. It's like you make eye contact with the guy and you're like, "Can I get a straw?" <laughs> and he's just like, "Whoa, what did you say?" <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, "I still got it." <laughs> right. Well, and then on the flip side, right? I think some people on the receiving end are like, "Well, that's." not uh feminist or that's you know manipulative or that's whatever but it's also like we've been punished for our femininity and sexuality for so long why can't we reclaim it as something that is a a quote-unquote weapon um i don't know there's i have a lot of feelings about this and i don't have an answer but it makes me fucking think no the the point that what you said makes me think a lot about when we are 
younger teenagers and we're being told to be pretty, to be polite, to be all these things. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you're being told, then it's like, okay, be sexy, da da da. But then it's like, oh no, now you're too but not sexy. too sexy. Right. Yeah. It's like this like don't crazy- be a virgin, but don't yeah. be a slut. Right. <laughs> Exactly. And then, and then God forbid you get paid for it. You get a check. Then it's like, you're off to hell, like Mm. to hell with you. With your seven, with your seven figures. Right. (laughs) Oh man. I will say the money, the money comes, the money goes and it, the faster you make it, the faster it can go. And I have been, oh, I was extremely humbled last year when I couldn't afford my warehouse rent. So in September, I actually sold my 15,000 square foot warehouse and went back to shipping orders and running my whole business out of my house. Mm. And I have, you know, the house is over 3,000 square feet. There's plenty of room to um, do product shoots and inventory. Like every closet in my house is packed with inventory. Um, there is no guest bedroom <laughs> spared. But I wanted to normalize kind of taking steps back in your business because we're always told to scale, to hire, to pay fair wages, to offer all these benefits. And I was doing that. I was trying to make everyone so happy, but it I totally forgot about myself. I stopped paying myself. Um, I like literally sold my car, sold all of my nice things to be able to pay other people's payroll. And I was like, this wasn't my dream. My dream wasn't to have employees. And I'm going to just going to be completely honest. My dream was to build my brand and find a love and infatuation with my customers and this whole process. It wasn't just to barely survive to hit payroll and rent. So I had to make the hardest decision of my life and sell something that I had worked so hard for um, and go right back into the swing of things the way they were five years ago. And I've been getting some really great feedback from people saying like, hey, like sometimes it's smarter to be small. Sometimes like you don't need all the shoots and whistles to be successful. And sometimes you can outsource an assistant at a more affordable rate than having like an in-house salaried assistant. And I just, I learned so much by taking these leaps and plunges in the business world because you make your first million and you're like, oh shit, I got to do everything differently now. Like, Mm. but it's all, it's more money, more problems, more responsibility. And I am so fucking grateful that that happened to me because I am happier. I am self-sufficient. I'm not fucking scared anymore. I can actually pay myself and not feel bad about ordering an appetizer at a restaurant anymore. Mm -hmm. I can afford to get my dogs the nice dog food now. Like all these little things that mean so much to me. Um, but, it, but it was hard, like letting go of a team was extremely gut wrenching and I wanted to be able to build a brand and offer jobs and whatnot, but it just, for my business's best interest, that just wasn't it. And I think a lot of people listening who are like on OnlyFans and those mm-hmm. types of creators, they might be in a weird spot where they're making so much money that they're like, oh, I, I need to be spending on all this stuff. But it's like, you really don't like dumb it down as much as you can. Mm. Yeah. Last question before we wrap up. Do you feel like, do you feel like everyone can learn to be a hustler or a sletrepreneur? Because I do feel like some people, some people are born hustlers, but I do think, you know, some people it's, it's coming from a place of like, that they had to learn to have a hunger 
early on because either that's what they were taught or they were in a situation where they had to start hustling early. Um, do you think people can learn to hustle? I I honestly think it's in our DNA. I think it's something that's past. <laughs> or uh, I will say I like your point about um, when you are when you struggle and realizing you need to hustle. And for me, it was my dad leaving my mom when I was nine, mm. took all the financials with him. He had the job. My mom had to go back to school. She worked three jobs while I was in middle school and went to school to be a nurse. Um, so I never saw her. And to me, that was my new normal. Like I have to bust my ass and not rely on a man if yeah. I want to be able to succeed. So that was totally internalized. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my driver's permit and worked at Smoothie King when I was 14. Mm-hmm. And by the time I turned 15, I bought my own car. Wow. I was working at the tanning salon. Like I was going anywhere they would hire someone that was my age. But I took so much pride in that and starting like my eBay store when I was 16 and having a brand and a business by the time I was 18. And that was just my normal. So I still struggle with building healthy relationships because I tend to really gravitate to hustlers because we can, Mm -hmm. it's just that hustler mentality. I don't get along with people who get bored. I just don't understand. I can't relate. If I had one moment of boredom, I would be starting a new project. Mm. (laughs) Um, But I definitely think it's either like a, a DNA thing or something traumatic happens to you where you have no choice but to fucking hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have made an empire and I'm so excited to share your knowledge with the world. <laughs> How can people buy your book, uh, get started on their own slutrepreneur journey, um, follow all that you're doing, all this awesome stuff? Hey, slutty scholars. Before we wrap up, just a reminder that I'm part of an awesome podcast network called Pleasure Podcasts. We feature some of the top sex and relationship podcasts in the world. Here's a trailer from my friends over at Multi Amory Podcast. Listen up. Let's face it, relationships can be tough, and it's even tougher to find quality advice when you need it. That's why we spend hours looking at the latest research to help you understand which relationship advice is gold and which advice is garbage. We are the hosts of the Multiamory Podcast, a weekly show dedicated to helping your relationships become happier and healthier. This is not your mother's relationship advice show. Whether you are monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. Check out what some of our listeners have to say. I can always find an episode to help me process and find perspective with whatever it is that I'm going through in the moment. We're addressing both healthy and unhealthy habits has really shaped who I strive to be as a partner and a person. Sometimes I read a title and I'm like, this one isn't going to apply to me. And then listen to it anyway. And it always does. (laughs) So if you're tired of one-size-fits-all relationship advice, check out Multiamory with over 400 episodes and new episodes every week. First of all, thank you, Sluts and Scholars podcast. This is always a, a dream come true to to share the knowledge and bounce ideas off each other. It, it I'm literally over here like sweating. It makes me so excited. Um, but Hopefully sweating in a good way. <laughs> we'll just bottle this up later. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, don't waste that. Yeah, don't waste it. Don't. <laughs> um, but professionalgoddess.com is my website. Uh, I am the host of the Sletchpreneur podcast. If you guys want to come hang, the podcast is linked on my website because a lot of people just can't spell Sletchpreneur, but you pronounced it great. 
well done. I can't say I can. <laughs> I had some trouble spelling it. <laughs> um, so the book Slutrepreneur Secrets is the PDF is available. We are sold out of the hard copy. It's also available on Amazon Kindle. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at Professional Goddess if you want to come get weird over there. I'm also on Instagram at Miss Mothership if you want to see like the more personal side of me of what a day in the life when I'm not being so bossy looks like. Uh, But yeah, I love, uh, love you sluts to come listen to the Slutpreneur podcast. We have a lot of fun over there. We're fucking weird. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in slutty scholars. Again, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at sluts and scholars on Twitter at sluts scholars. You could listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at sluts and scholars.com. Uh, please don't forget to rate and review. It is very helpful and go check out the advertiser discounts because the more you support them, the more you support the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Go leave a five-star review, bitches. <laughs>